0: I don't want to do a select. My name's Chuck. I don't want to pick out a select and do an intro for this one. I don't want to work. See, that was play acting, everyone. This is called how temper tantrums work, and that was an example of a temper tantrum. This is from May 27th, 2014, and it was a good one. It was um, before I had a kid, and it really was instructive on uh, how things were going to go once I did have a kid. But i got to tell you, I'm five years into this thing, and she's great. She rarely ever has thrown temper tantrums in her whole life. She can be a real pain in the butt but she's never been a tantrum thrower so I'm going to listen to this one again actually, right along with you. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know a production of iHeartRadio.
1: Hey and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant and again we have Our guest producer, Noel.
0: He's thrashing about on the ground, vomiting (laughs) and (laughs) screaming.
1: Capillaries bursting in his cheeks. Yep. All because we wouldn't give him a third pork chop. (laughs) (laughs) Not true. Yeah, boy,
0: temper tantrums are... I always feel so bad for the parents out in public, you know?
1: Oh, really? I always think, like, you screwed up your kid already. See, you're so wrong. (laughs) And we're about to dispel that. Yeah, it's true. Although Um, I did
0: see a, um, we're about to talk a lot about why it's not the parent's fault, but I did some extra research and there are experts that say you can also be a bad parent and that could lead to temper tantrums. Yeah. Like, we don't want to blame parents, but uh, you can definitely play a part.
1: And we as a society have said uh, from this age to this age, temper tantrums are normal. And then after that, yeah, then apparently it's like the bad parenting really shines through. Yeah. And then they think like, yeah, there's some real problems this kid has. And it's largely because of bad parenting or a bad home environment or troubles during pregnancy. Right. Like abuse, things like that. Yeah. Um, that can all lead to temper tantrums, that turn into something else. Yeah, after a certain age.
0: Yeah, this whole thing it makes me kind of uncomfortable, but uh, just parenting advice period is so like subjective and individual. Yeah, uh, it's it's always feel like people shouldn't tell other people how to parent, but also feel like there are probably some pretty good guidelines to parenting too. So yeah,
1: and if you go back and look at. Um, the history of parenting. Yeah. Like, it wasn't f- too long ago that it was... Uh, it it kind of seems to go on a cycle. Like, in the 18th century, um Rousseau, the great Enlightenment thinker, basically was one of the first to say, you know what? Maybe kids aren't just miniature adults. <laughs> right? And, like, maybe childhood <laughs> is, like, something special. It's a time of development. Right. We should, you know become less parent-centric and more child-centric as far as parenthood goes. Right. And um, that really kind of sparked this different idea of, you know, treating kids as kids rather than adults. Yeah. And then that was replaced later on by the whole, like, discipline and all that of the late 19th, early 20th century. And then that was replaced by the idea that kids, their childhood should be indulged. Right. you know
0: and then rousseau said boy fetch me my feather i need to throw up
1: <laughs> is that from fletch no fletch <laughs> it's <just> what came <laughs> to mind no i just thought it'd be funny you know i need to throw
0: up you know the binging and purging back in the day you yeah. eat till you can't eat anymore then you stick a feather down your throat and vomit um, it up
1: supposedly the vomitorium's thing is a myth have you heard that in rome ancient rome Vomitoriums—they supposedly had like places oh, yeah. for that. I haven't so, heard they were a myth though. Supposedly they're myth- mythological, and mm-hmm. not like the Minotaur, like right. a real myth, right? Not like a—they want you to think it's a myth. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so we're talking temper tantrums, and we've already kind of said um, that during a certain period of your life, they're normal. It's actually you would be a weird kid if you didn't have a ten- temper tantrum. Pretty
0: frequently... Uh, not weird, but uh, you would be in the minority for sure. Okay. But it doesn't mean you're weird.
1: <clears throat> Comparatively speaking, it means you're weird. <laughs> so, like, from age one to age three-ish, they basically say, have have your temper tantrums. It's normal.
0: Yeah, between 50 and 80%, if you want a statistic, of uh, two- to three-year-old boys and girls have at least one tantrum per week. And 20%... Um, have a tantrum every day, yeah, those kids are fun between those uh, those years, yeah,
1: uh, and then there was this, another study from the University of Minnesota that found even higher rates go first ninety one percent of children in this study between uh, the ages of thirty thirty months and three years um, had a tantrum on a weekly basis. right, so it happens if
0: you had a kid, you've probably had it happen if you don't have kids yet. It will happen to you.
1: And if you have a kid that doesn't have tantrums, they're weird.
0: <laughs> no, you're just lucky.
1: Yeah, you are pretty
0: lucky. I wasn't a tantrum thrower.
1: I know. I'm sure I was, but I I think I was
0: a pretty good kid. Yeah, I'm not saying it never happened with me, but I was pretty chill. Yes.
1: My, At the gate. Yeah, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law lucked out. Oh, a yeah. good kid. Yeah. Who's like more hard on herself than like they are on her. Uh that's the best. Self-regulating yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's good. And she's like right in the age too and she's yeah. very good. So she's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, weird in all the all the best ways. In all the right ways. Yeah. Uh
0: the good news is um by the time they reach 4 or 5, you should be seeing a large drop off or complete cessation of these tantrums.
1: Yeah. And the the reason why we say the age, um, that there is an age for this to end, is because we finally figured out that w- the mechanisms involved in temper tantrums.
0: Yeah, it's a thing. It's not just uh, my kid's a pain in the butt, or he's in a bad mood, or he's spoiled. It's, there's, there's brain activity that is causing this to happen.
1: Yeah, specifically in the prefrontal cortex, or we should say there's a lack of activity in the prefrontal cortex, which is the last part of the brain to evolve
0: Yeah, like up until your 18th birthday, your Uh, prefrontal cortex is still evolving.
1: Right. Yes. And developing is, I think, what we mean.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes, we do. We
1: both said evolve. But it's true. I mean, Uh, you know, the Victorians used to think that if you looked inside an egg... uh Uh-huh you would see the animal, that species, go through its full evolution, that that was its process of development. Oh, really? And it kind of makes sense to an extent, especially if you think of the brain. Like, I'm sure the brain stem is the first part of the brain to be constructed in utero. You know? And then it goes all the way, like, after birth, your brain's still developing, and it's probably the most sophisticated regions of the brain that take the longest to develop. That makes sense. Yeah. So the Victorians were right all along. About throwing up? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, should we talk about
0: what the tantrum? That There was a doctor who uh, clearly has uh, some masochistic tendencies because he <laughs> did a study in which he rigged toddlers with microphones.
1: He's the temper tantrum specialist. He's like the guy. He's definitely a masochist. Yeah.
0: No, I'm saying God bless this guy because it is not fun work to record and analyze audio tapes of temper tantrums over and over and over. But that's what he did, and he did find some patterns. Uh, First of all, they only last a few minutes, parents. It might seem like an eternity there Mm -hmm. in Target while your kid is, like, buried in the clothes rack screaming, but it's only going to be a few minutes. And then 10 minutes later, your kid has just probably forgotten about it. Right. Even though you have not.
1: Yes. He also found that um, based on the types of sounds that the kids made, they can basically be classified as sad sounds and angry sounds. Yeah. And he found that um, his name's Michael Podigal. And Podigal found that um, rather than one giving into the other, leading into the other, they're pretty much simultaneous. And then once the anger, it's basically you have sadness all along, and then it's overlaid with anger. And then once the anger subsides, all that's left is sadness. And now. The healing can begin because when kids uh, are sad, they want to be comforted, so they go to you, sure. the parent. Hopefully, yeah. Um, and and then the, the temper tantrum can subside.
0: Yeah, and he he broke it down into three phase three stages. Uh, you got your yelling and screaming. Uh, you've got your physical actions, which is what we talked about, like throwing yourself on the floor, and that's what you typically think of, like kicking and screaming. Right. And then um, or biting. And then you've got your whimpering and whining, which is the third and saddest stage <laughs> right. to witness. Yeah. Because the kid has just played out at this point, and it's really sad.
1: Yeah, and uh, Potegal also found that if the kid goes straight into the physical stage, yes. the tantrum is even shorter yeah. lived, I think because they tax themselves more quickly.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and these we talked earlier about uh, Noel's tantrum before we came in and how his face is flushed. <laughs> That is something that can happen. If they are screaming loud enough, they can pop blood vessels in the face and capillaries, and they can induce vomiting. It can get, like, really serious and violent and uh, disturbing.
1: Inducing vomiting. Is that funny to you? (laughs) Don't you just—wouldn't you just be like, you stupid kid, what is wrong with you? You just screamed until you threw up. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good approach. Well, I mean, you don't say it, 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 but but you certainly think it. (laughs)
0: Uh, all right, so back to the <laughs> yeah, you stupid. Kid. Back to the prefrontal cortex. Uh, we said it develops very—I uh, don't know about slowly, but it develops over the course of your life until you're about 18. Um, but it doesn't even start to till you're four,
1: right? And they think the reason why, or not necessarily the reason why, they think because of this this malleability and plasticity in the prefrontal cortex, we are able to acquire language skills as humans. So it's kind of a trade-off. Right. Because while we can acquire language skills while our PFC is developing, we don't have the emotional stability right. that we have later on in life with the fully developed PFC because the prefrontal cortex is in charge of regulating our emotional stability. Yeah. And basically saying like, "Whoa, it's the part of the it's the Joey part of the brain." Right. So your kid your
0: kid doesn't have the Joey part of the brain yet. Yeah. And uh, there is, since you brought up language, there is a um, there's a conflict between what the kid can understand and then relay back to you at that age. Like they may be able to understand what you're saying. Oh, yeah. But they can't speak the words yet. So you've got a really frustrated kid because it can't get out what it wants to say. Right. And then you've got the prefrontal cortex not doing anything yet.
1: Right. It's not putting the brakes on.
0: Yeah. So that is... a. A tantrum. I mean, that's a recipe for a tantrum.
1: And why don't you stew on that for a minute while we take a message break? Because that was some heavy stuff. Stuff Stuffy should go. Stuffy should go. Okay, so we're back. We just talked about the prefrontal cortex, and you, Chuck, just explained what a temper tantrum is. Yeah. Because we all have like moments of frustration. Oh, sure. We all have um, times when like we act out a little bit, like, you know, this light bulb is supposed to work.
0: Pssh! Right. You know, that kind of thing. Or road rage. That's an adult temper tantrum.
1: Exactly. You know. But we have prefrontal cortexes. We've been socialized to feel embarrassed for acting out. Um, if you took that away and shrunk us down by several feet you would have what's a normal temper tantrum in kids.
0: Yeah, and we also should point out that the uh, fight-or-flight kicks in too. A big shot of cortisol happens. Right. And so everything is just messed up. Like, it's a wonder your kid doesn't have more of these right? when you think about this.
1: So that frustration um, does trigger cortisol. It triggers norepinephrine. Yeah. Uh, your fight-or-flight syndrome or uh, response is kicked into high gear. And again, you have nothing to put the brakes on all of this. Yeah. What's interesting is um, some of the physical signs that the fight or flight response has kicked in are also signs that your kid's about to have like a major meltdown. Yeah. Things like um, your uh, breathing, flushed yes. skin, sweating. Sweating, pupils dilated. Drooling and spitting. Yeah. yeah, All of these things where if like you see your kid starting to do that, you just be Culling like, calling the exorcist. Going to blow.
0: <laughs> yes. And the reason um, they stop or at least taper off by the ages of four or five is because your the Joey part of your brain starts to work and the kid can now talk to you and all of these things kind of undo. And the kid's like, that was the problem because they can now tell you that. Right. I couldn't talk. Yeah. It smelled <laughs> like chili dogs all the time. And I tried, I just couldn't tell you that. Yeah. And my PFC wasn't working, so what am I to
1: do? Just go berserk. Exactly. Um, the thing is, is like, yes, your kid is going to likely age out of this. If your kid doesn't age out of it, then perhaps it's time to consult a specialist, say, around five, six years of age, usually six, I think, Um but along the way, you can help your kid have fewer temper tantrums, have less severe temper tantrums, and basically just be a better human being in general by how you, as the parent, address the temper tantrums. By telling them they're dumb for just throwing up because no, you got just, so No, you think that in your head. <laughs> okay. You don't say it out loud or else you're a terrible parent. If you think it, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> um, no, you, what you, the number one thing you want to do um, prior to temper tantrums is giving the kid a, a, a schedule. Yeah. Because apparently a lot of the temper tantrums come from a fear that something's, that they're not going to get food sure. or they're not going to get held yeah. or attention or whatever. If they're on a schedule, they'll know that it's coming. And if they start to freak out, you can say, of course your goldfish are coming. It's almost 2 p.m. Right. Settle down, you little goldfish junkie.
0: Yeah, and... I know they stress scheduling a lot with kids with, like, Asperger's uh, and autism, but it's a big deal, period. You should get your kids on a schedule. Kids like knowing what to expect. They don't like curveballs.
1: If you have to make your own bowl of cereal at age, like, two, uh, the parent needs to take some time and figure out what's going wrong here. Yeah, with water? Yeah. Remember that? What was that, Fridays? Yeah. When they didn't have milk. Yeah, that's funny that you said that because I just remembered yesterday what a good movie Friday is. Oh yeah, it was really funny. It's wonderful.
0: Uh, okay, so get your kids on a schedule.
1: That's a big one. This is this is preventing yes um, temper tantrums and
0: that's regular sleep, regular feeding, uh, regular interaction. Any kind of thing they can rely on yep. is is going to help like chill your kid out and get them stable.
1: And remember. Um, One of the things, one of the bases of uh, temper tantrums is frustration. Yeah. And one way around that is to give your kid, make them feel empowered. Yeah, I like this bit of advice. I thought that was spot on. So like in this article, I think Conger says um, if your kid hates putting shoes on, basically distract them by saying, hey, big boy, do you want to wear your duck boots or your cowboy boots? Yeah. You, You choose. Yeah. It's up to you. Yeah, sort of like head, you, you heading them off at the simple pass. Simpleton. <laughs> yeah. You still have to wear shoes, but you get to choose which ones.
0: Yeah, I've heard that's a pretty common thing because uh, a lot of kids don't want to get dressed when they should or put on their shoes when they should. And um, a lot <laughs> of parents now are like letting their kids dress themselves.
1: Yeah, you can tell Yeah, you but look it's, around.
0: I know, and it's, I think it's great and fun. To see little kids walking around in these
1: crazy outfits that they clearly picked out, it's like a I men- love it. It's like mini mental asylums all let out. It's like <laughs> the Reagan era all over again, but for kids. I think it's awesome. Um, okay, so empowering choices, great advice. So, okay, you've taken these steps to avoid it. It's still not going to do. Your kid's still going to have a temperature tantrum. It's yes. just you can expect it. It's sure. inevitable. Um, so when a temper tantrum happens, it be, here's the hard part. You have to stay calm. Mm-hmm. And apparently the the advice du jour from parenting experts, and yeah. psychologists, is ignore it. Yeah, this is not us talking. No.
0: We've researched this, and they say to try and ignore it. Uh, they say that that is the quickest way to to put an end to that particular tantrum. If they're not getting the attention, then uh, they will quit sooner.
1: Yeah. And uh,
0: that's what they say.
1: So long as they're not hurting themselves or other people sure. or destroying property. Yeah. Yeah. If they're just screaming and being a brat, basically, is what it amounts to, then ignoring it is the best course of action. Yeah. The reason why is um, if you say you are like, oh, I know you feel so bad, and you pick them up and you hug them and everything, you're giving your kid positive reinforcement. Yeah. You're saying, hey, scream your head off, and I will pick you up and rub your back and comfort you. You don't want to do that. You want to remain neutral and basically not associate this thing with anything yeah, that's, during it.
0: That's what I would do, especially in public. It'd just be like... Man,
1: whose kid is that? Right. <laughs> I'm going to go over here and eat a box of nutri bars by myself right. while this little kid finishes up. And I'll just pay for it at the register with an
0: empty box and it's all good. Yeah. Um, and yeah. sense of shame. <laughs> the other reason, and we're joking around here, this is if someone, like, I have friends who have had big trouble with this and it's not a laughing matter. It's really a lot of stress on a family.
1: Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah.
0: We joke because it's just what we always do. Um another I, I'm the guy in the grocery store who gets to go, see you
1: later. Good luck.
0: Um another reason not to uh what like they say to muffle that is because mm-hmm. uh there could be other underlying causes like uh hearing problem or vision impair uh, vision impairment yeah. that you won't notice um if you're if you're not just like, you know, if you got the kid buried in
1: your chest. Yeah, it's weird. It's like you want to ignore it, let it run its natural course. But watch it. Out of like the side of your eye. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, cause you don't want them, like you really don't want them to think you're paying any attention to him at all. Right. And apparently <clears throat> when that, when that's done, it, it just runs its course and it's, it's over with. And like we said earlier, the kid forgets even what was bothering him or her, Yeah, you know, a few minutes afterward.
0: Yeah. What you really don't want to do is punish the kid or reprimand the kid in the middle of a tantrum or right after a tantrum, because yeah. it's a natural thing. It's going to happen. That is not a healthy uh, approach to getting your child to not do something because they're two and three years old. Yeah. And to be punished for something that they don't understand is just, that's not going to help anything.
1: Sure. So what you do want to do is after a, uh, a meltdown has taken place mm-hmm. and things are calm again, you want to take some time to explain to the kid basically what went wrong or what they didn't do. Let's say is over the shoes again. Right you you they've just told you we need to talk about shoes again right now that things are calm we have to talk about shoes because i just had a meltdown about it Yeah. so now that they're calm you have to say you need to wear shoes because they protect your feet from all the terrible stuff that you can step on yeah that's why you have to wear shoes and put them on when i tell you to and yeah. it's time to leave so Try you're and trick explaining your kid. it to them <laughs> it's a, understanding the value of shoes right in a very um understandable Two-year-old way, sure. Uh, apparently, you don't want to moralize it and say, "You better not. You better not pitch a fit when I tell you to put your shoes on." Yeah, this happens every morning. Right? That doesn't help.
0: It doesn't help. And if your kid the next day says, "Well, I want to pick out my shoes today, Mom,
1: because they protect my feet," then you are you get a toy. Yeah, you get you a get toy. A big Playmobil box <laughs> set.
0: Well, depending on how much money you have. Uh, you could at least give them positive reinforcement and a cookie or, yeah. or a pat on
1: the head. You could also get a knockoff Bloodmobile not <laughs> box set. That's fine. The Whoa. kid doesn't know. He's two. We got so many knockoff toys growing up. Have you seen that gallery of knockoff yeah. toys that I made? It's great. If you have not seen it, go check it out on stuffyoushow.com. I, I think I
0: had a few of those. Did you really? Yeah, I mean, my parents were teachers. We weren't, like, poor, but we didn't, you know, there were three kids. We mm-hmm. didn't all... Get everything we wanted, you no, know. I, I, I wanted the BMX mongoose, yeah. and I got the Sears goose. Right, you know. I wanted Pong again. Sears, I got You're the like, Sears version. Ping? Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, Knights yeah. of the Round Table, pretty much.
1: Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, but S- I didn't. That a polo. Look at me. Did I never, you,
0: Yeah, I never had brand name clothes. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Unless they had, you know, like a button missing or the collar was misshapen or something.
1: Again, I don't think I can stress enough how awesome that gallery of beloved yeah. knockoff knockoffs of beloved toys that we made that's on our site is it's great yeah we'll repost it but you can you should definitely look under galleries so there's, some, there's some real misses yeah and i have to say i remember going to plenty of stores as a kid and being yeah. told i could pick out a toy but it was like something liquidators yeah yeah like what is this thing did you have any rich kid friends um. Yeah, they weren't like rich kids, but yeah, there were some whose like parents were like lawyers and stuff like that. Yeah, it like,
0: I had a, one particular that I was always just so like, his house was so cool. It was like a modern house. Mm-hmm. And back then, I'd never seen a modern house. And he had, you know, the green machine and, and television and horses and a trampoline and a pool <sighs> horses? and a go-kart and a motorcycle. Dude, wow. he had everything. Yeah? Yeah. And look great. at him now. He's super successful and wealthy.
1: Is he? Yeah. Well, good for him. (laughs) His parents raised him right. They did.
0: Okay, so we're going to hit what you touched on earlier of when you might have a problem that's a little deeper than your average temper tantrum. And they say three or more tantrums per day that last more than 15 minutes could qualify as what is now called in the new DSM-5 disruptive mood dysregulation disorder.
1: That depends. That is. Um, that depends on the age too. So there's a big hubbub. Yeah. Over this, right?
0: Yeah, because it was just added to the new DSM uh-huh. in 2013. Yeah, a new disorder.
1: Yes, and basically it turns temper tantrums into a mental illness. Like, yeah. Pure and simple. If you are over age six... Yeah, between six and ten. Yeah, and you have the, that number, what was it? Three three per day that lasts uh, 15 minutes or more. Yeah, or um,
0: it says here three or more for one year. So I think there's a couple of criteria. Yes, then, but anyway.
1: then you are eligible for antipsychotic medications. Yeah. Uh, and all other manner of prescription drugs, even though you're six.
0: Yeah, and critics are saying there's not enough data on this to create a new diagnosis. Like right. Some critics are saying you shouldn't have done this at all. Proponents are saying, no, this will actually help because kids are being diagnosed as bipolar at six, and this will prevent that. So right. it's a little awkward right now.
1: But it's funny that they bring up bipolar because when they when they expanded and basically created children's bipolar disorder, pediatric bipolar disorder is what it's called, Um, when they expanded that, there was a 40-fold spike in diagnoses. And as a result... The uh, antipsychotic prescriptions for kids age 2 to 5 doubled between 2000 and 2007. So there's a definite trend of any time a new disorder is identified or described in Everyone's the DSM. Like, I've got that, or exactly, my kid has that. My kid has that. He won't shut yeah. up. Can you give him some antipsychotics, please? Yeah. And uh, the psychiatrist says, sure. Right. Because he has this, because he fits this criteria.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been a controversial addition to the DSM, as are many additions to the DSM. Sure. Uh, but that's not to say that there isn't a larger issue at work, because some of the times there is. So they want to teach you as parents to monitor. <laughs> maybe don't, like, go put them on psycho- psychotropic drugs, but maybe monitor them after the age of four and see how violent they are and how long they last? And are they trying to injure themselves or others? Are they holding their breath and fainting? Like, how severe is it? Um, Which and, is a are, thing, breath-holding yeah. spells. Oh, yeah.
1: The, apparently, the understanding of that now, though, is that kids don't necessarily hold them, their breaths on purpose. Like, it just kind of happens to uh, them. Oh, they forget to breathe? They get so worked up that they forget. <laughs> yeah, wow. and faint. And apparently, when your kid does that, it freaks parents out. Oh, sure. And then kids learn... That if they hold their breath or even threaten to hold their breath, they'll get what they want. Right. But apparently, if your kid holds his or her breath or is it's held for them, yeah. when they faint, their normal breathing will take over again. Right. And as a parent, you can kickstart the whole process by blowing air into their mouth. It almost like tickles their breathing mechanism. Really? To take back over normally again, huh. even though they fainted. And the advice is that I read that... If your kid is fainting from holding his or her breath during a tantrum, yeah. you can't let that alter your your parenting skills. Oh, uh, like how you react to it? Yeah. Huh. You can't be held hostage by it. Man, that's so challenging. I can't imagine.
0: Yeah. Because your kid faints. Sure.
1: It's bad news.
0: Yeah. I mean, hats off. to it, That's like going back to the shark again. Good luck remembering to punch the shark in the nose while you're right. being attacked.
1: Yeah. But that is, a, that is a criteria. If your kid is doing this now and it's new and they're like after age four yeah. and their tantrums are increasing rather than decreasing, these are all red flags for, okay, this, this may be abnormal and let's see what's going on. The first step isn't necessarily taking your kid to a psychiatrist for drugs. It can, you can also do a self-survey right. of your house. Like, uh, is there a new step-parent? Um, did we move recently? Did Am I an alcoholic and do
0: we always fight? Yeah, you know. There's know. A, yeah, <laughs> it happens where parents think, "Oh, like kids, you know, they don't even, they don't understand what's going on." We keep the fighting away from them, but they understand and they pick up on body language and emotional cues that you don't think are there. Yeah, and they're little sponges, and that could be a reason. If, uh, did you mention maybe if you've moved? Yeah, yeah, that's a big one.
1: I think I said moved. Yeah. Did well. his best friend get a better bike than him recently? <laughs> right. You need to go get that bike then too. But the
0: point is to not be freaked out by isolated incidences past the age of four uh, because they, they happen and um, it's not atypical. Uh, you just need – and if your kid has a problem with this as parents, you probably have a plan in place. Like you're not just reacting to each incident. Like you get together and you huddle and be like, all right, we have an issue because little Timmy is uh, a nightmare. And so how are we going to deal with this? And like, yeah. then let's stick to it.
1: And if little Timmy also is breaking your Hummel figurines all the time now... Then good, because those are awful. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> well, that's actually... Uh, it can be a sign, but it's not necessarily a sign. Right. For example, there was a study that had a pretty decent population size uh, from 2007. It uh, researched temper tantrums among 279 preschoolers, almost 280 preschoolers. Wow. Um, and uh, they found that kids who are considered healthy... Um, had, were less likely to become violent, self-injurious, uh, destructive, or verbally combative, like during their temper tantrums. But it's also been found that around 20% of, quote, mentally stable preschoolers yeah. will still become, you know, one of these unhealthy things right. during a ten- temper tantrum from time to time. Right. It's not like, uh, the, there goes a homo figurine. right. we have to go to the psychiatrist now.
0: Or if your kid, like rips the head off their Barbie in a violent way, that might be disturbing to you. But that is about as normal
1: (laughs) American behavior as has ever been generated by a child.
0: Yeah. If your kid is being mean to animals, that's a different story. (laughs) Yeah. Because that that is, you know, it's not a good sign. And it's certainly, uh, you want to stop any kind of, uh, like, violent aggression toward humans or animals. Yeah. Like, that's not like, oh, let's just see how this plays out. Yeah. You want to get in there. Take care of business yeah in the right way
1: Stuff you know Stuff you know So you raise your kid you get him out of the terrible twos. Age four comes along and all of a sudden they're like talking to you and making sense and expressing themselves. Right. They're able to settle themselves down. Um, they, they, they're they, just human beings. You made it out of the woods until the teenage years come. Yep, and then it starts all over again. Yes, and the, it starts all over again for the same reason. The prefrontal cortex undergoes a new round of, of development. Yeah during puberty from age about 11 to 18. And as a result, the emotional breaks that are provided by that region of the brain are lost again for several years.
0: Yeah. And it's also similar in that uh, teenagers might not feel like they can express themselves, even though like as a toddler, you literally can't talk. But as a teen, you know, parents just don't understand. That's the old adage. Right. And you've got the hormones and you've got uh, new things happening to your body and you've got New things happening in your heart for, you know, the little girls and little boys. You start feeling those feelings, and it's confusing, and it's just—it's it's all happening all over again. All these things you don't understand mm-hmm. and can't express, and then you've got your prefrontal cortex not helping you out. And that's it's, why you're going to see the same—similar behaviors, at yeah. least.
1: It's basically temper tantrums the sequel.
0: Yeah. And it may not manifest itself the same way. They may not be on the floor, like, kicking and screaming and vomiting, but they may rampage through your house and slam the doors and scream and yell, and uh
1: they'll grow out of that though and again, if they don't, then psychiatry's there to back you up with some uh, diagnoses and pills <laughs> there's oppositional defiant disorder, yeah, which is basically it sounds like temper tantrums that i, I it, it sounds like temper tantrums, basically, the same thing yeah,
0: this study from University of San Diego was pretty interesting, I thought. They studied kids between the ages of 10 and 22. That's not a kid, by the way. And um, between 11 and 18 years old, during that window, the speed that they identified emotions indicated by facial expressions dropped by 20%. So, between 10 and 18, if you're... Like, your kid can't even look at your face and read your emotional cues. Like, that's how out of it they are. (laughs) You know,
1: (laughs) yeah, teenagers.
0: Like I couldn't even tell Dad was mad at me. Yeah, because the wires aren't connecting upstairs. Yeah,
1: and apparently the prefrontal cortex. Prefrontal cortex is also uh, involved in um, regulating behavior. Yeah, which explains why teenagers are prone to like risk taking.
0: Well, yeah, because if the prefrontal cortex isn't doing the job, then I think the amygdala takes over. And the amygdala is, is not a good thing to be running uh, your emotions. Running the show? No, not emotionally.
1: So, you got anything else you want to talk about that girl from Millageville? Yeah, go ahead.
0: I well, didn't actually read that part.
1: There is a girl uh, who, in 2012, uh, at the age of six, oh, yeah. was arrested and taken to the police station from her kindergarten class because... The temper tantrum she threw was so bad. She was wrecking her kindergarten class. She was taken to jail for a temper tantrum.
0: Like knocking over bookcases onto the principal.
1: Yeah, and injuring the principal. Yeah. Um, And she uh, apparently was just on a rampage, and the cops took her to jail, didn't book her process or anything, but I'm (laughs) sure (laughs) scared the daylights out of this little girl. Yeah, And the school said... She can't come back the rest of this year.
0: Yeah. She's just invited.
1: Yeah. Luckily, it was in April. So I imagine there was only a couple months left of school still. Yeah. So we hope she's doing better. Sure. We won't say her name. We didn't say her name, did we? Nope.
0: The article does, which I thought was slightly irresponsible. Well, she was a news item. Yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, you don't want to be in the news, little girl. Right. Don't turn over the other lesson to you.
1: (laughs) That's it. All right. Uh, If you want to learn more about temper tantrums, uh, you can procreate and have a kid and then see it firsthand. That's right. You can also, before you do that, if you want to find out if you're interested in that kind of thing, type in temper tantrums in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and it'll bring up this article. And I said search bar, which means it's time for listener mail.
0: I'm going to call this uh, positive amnesia. Hey, guys, nearly five years ago, I was in in, uh, Portland, Oregon. I was in a near-fatal motorcycle wreck. That not only knocked my brain around in my full face helmet, but also shattered my pelvis, broke two ribs, two vertebrae, left wrist, right thumb, left collarbone.
1: Guess it's showing off.
0: I know. <laughs> Evil Knievel. <laughs> uh, I was in the hospital for two weeks, but only remember bits and pieces of the last few days of my stay, uh, though I was mostly awake the whole time. The doctors told me that nearly, uh, I had a nearly two week gap in my memory, and it was a combination of shock and medically induced amnesia. I learned a lot about the different kinds of amnesia from your show in ways that my team of doctor never took the time to explain me. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't... <laughs> you're like, yeah, that always happens. Uh, but I didn't hear you mention any positive effects of memory loss. Uh, through my memory loss, it did not... Pre- or, though my memory loss did not prevent severe PS, uh, PTSD after the incident, I think it has ultimately helped me be less afraid of red light running Land Rovers.
1: I think we did mention that it was that was one positive effect of it, I thought. Did we? I think so. Maybe not.
0: Well, if we're not, then we're glad that Adrian wrote in. He said, um, uh, also, I don't have the additional trauma of remembering the numerous surgeries and operations. Uh, Your podcast made amnesia sound confusing and scary, uh, which it is, but I'm living proof that sometimes it's best if you don't remember.
1: Well, thanks a lot, Adrian. We're glad you are doing okay.
0: Yeah, be careful, man. Watch out for those Land Rovers.
1: Yeah, red light running Land Rovers.
0: Hope they hope that dude got in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got nothing else.
1: If you uh if you wanna let us know about well, if you wanna fill in the gaps on our memories something we left out of an episode we always want to hear that kind of thing you can uh, go on to com and check out our social links and you can also send us a good old-fashioned email wrap it up spank it on the bottom with uh, some good old country goodness and send it off to stuff at iheartradio.com